Welcome to the Salmon Poetry Podcast. Salmon Poetry is an Irish publisher based in Ennis Diamond, County Clare, home to our bookshop and literary centre. You can find our titles and new projects on www.salmonpoetry.com. Salmon Poetry is supported by the Arts Council of Ireland. Hello, my name is Emer Fallon. I live in the West Kerry Gwiltacht and I write fiction and poetry. I'm going to read three poems from my first collection, Thin Lines, published by Salmon Poetry. The poems in the collection explore the places we encounter between sanity and madness, sickness and health, the past and the present, and life and death. And this is the title poem. Thin Lines. I crossed this line for the first time when things were moving too fast and the wallop of a car sent me spinning into thin air and set me back down on earth a different person. Afterwards, the city trees marched dark across the sky. The sun shone too bright on a gravel drive. College became lost hours that slipped between my fingers. Days turned into weeks of not going to lectures. It took me a year to find my way back to the other side of the line. It happened upstairs on a 65 bus with the lights of Dublin slipping away beyond the bend of Crooksling Hill and my father sitting next to me pointing out the plough. After that, I watched where I walked. And when crows cawed over snow-white fields lined with skeleton trees and celandines gleamed like fallen stars on the banks around the house and the dark beauty of Pennyworth stopped me in my tracks, I knew the line was thinning and I took a step back. Now, after years of walking this line, it's become a beautiful thing. I seek it out in coast roads and on mountain ridges and at crossing points. Sometimes I find that first line in my sleep or walking Coos with my daughters when the line might disappear altogether where sea and sky meet. Where I live, you'll hear Irish being spoken every day in the shops, on the street, in the doctor's waiting room. In this poem, I imagine what someone coming to the Dingle Peninsula for the very first time without a word of Irish would have felt when they first encountered the language. It's written in the imaginary voice of an ordnance survey worker hired by the British government to work on the first large-scale mapping operation of Ireland. Letter Home, Ordnance Survey, 1867, Kirkogwina. It is wet here, almost all of the time, with a mist that seeps into nooks and crannies and other unpleasant places. The people of Dingle are surprisingly handsome and do not resemble the punch drawings too much although many sport rotting and blackened teeth. But the language they speak is like nothing you've heard, littered with digs and jives and curves. And each tiny place has a name, all of them sounding strangely the same. For example, Luch, meaning lake, while Canuck is a hill, they tell me. And Crook is, I don't remember, though it drops from the mouth like water. As for God, he's everywhere. Diagwit, how do you do? And the devil too, Hanuman Deal while history's tangled in every damn thing. Gert is a field, Goethe is hunger, and Gertig, believe it or not, is hurt. The words get everywhere too. A cleric I spoke to yesterday said there's a music in it that travels. He swore the people swallow the language when they leave, and it's only on some dusty Boston street when they stumble across somebody from home that it shows its true colours again, bursting up out of their mouths in a verse or stream of invective. A little rough, but still able to fly from mouth to mouth and ear to ear. Guttural, garov, unstoppable, gone stod, 
fear, which means true, that's what he said. And I felt the words bruise my lips like a kiss. Garov, Gonstad, fear. Some people don't believe in ghosts. This last poem is inspired by some of the conversations I've had in defense of my belief in spirits. But this poem is also about the truths and secrets the natural world around us holds and how wherever we are, when we eat and walk and live and sleep, we're interacting with this country's history. The Brown Bird. You say you don't believe in spirits. Rest in peace, you say, what does that even mean? I tell you about one night in France where a group of us saw a ball of light. I tell you about the angry man's voice in my head that same night when I lay in bed, how he only spoke French. I tell you about my third eye, the one in the middle of my forehead, how it opens when someone I love is nearby. That's just energy, you say, like a picture falling off a wall when someone dies. I tell you about the people my mother saw when her mother was dying, how they stood at the bottom of the garden and waited. I tell you how saying the words rest in peace gives me permission to let go of my dead. You need to believe in these things, you say. So I tell you about the bird on the hill behind the house, how it calls all night, a soft rolling chair, and how I saw it sitting, sitting in the garden twice last week. I tell you I'm almost sure it was a night jar, even though we both know night jars have never been recorded here before. I tell you about the world, the two white ponies in the hillside have made, of gorse tunnels and pale green clearings and sweet scented piles of horseshit, where stone chests and hairy mollies and bog asphodel and robins live. I tell you about the handfuls of tiny frockens that shelter under the stern stalked ferns. I tell you to look, see their dusky skin. Sniff the head of scent of them. I tell you, tip a panful into your mouth and taste frocken Sundays, stolen kisses, the purple lips of hungry children, the silent years of damp darkness that flood your mouth and tickle your teeth. Now tell me you don't believe. <laughs>